Bill Barnwell, we often call upon you in times of need, and it feels like we are calling upon you because a lot of NFL teams, they need a specific kind of help. They need Bill Barnwell, the love doctor. (laughs) Sadly, a very lonely and rarely used personal practice of mine. (laughs) But absolutely, Pablo, always happy to help these needy NFL teams. Yeah, I mean, they have quarterback issues, they have relationship problems, and not all of them, you know, I think it's safe to say, not all of them feel as confident as Tyreek Hill did, addressing our friend Marcel Louis-Jacques. I know you've said that, like, QB doesn't necessarily matter to your production. I think you said you put up numbers with Alex Smith, you put up numbers with... I put up numbers with you. (laughs) Come on. That is pure athletic confidence from Tyreek Hill to think, I can get a bucket with any ESPN Daily guest. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to decide if your quarterback is Mr. Right or just Mr. Right now is a truly terrifying exercise. In fact, we're basically a quarter of the way through this regular season, and that question and that general palpable insecurity It is the story for so many teams trying to figure out if they are more of a starter or a backup themselves. So today, we ask our friend, the ever-confident Bill Barnwell, to tell us the hardest thing to hear in football and in life, the truth. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Thursday, October 6th. This is ESPN Daily. So, Bill, you're here to make us smarter about week five in the NFL. But before we get to that, before we get to the it's complicated Pittsburgh Steelers, Mm -hmm. it does feel like we do need to acknowledge the newly dumped Mitch Trubisky. Mm. So just at the very top here, R.I.P. Buddy Mitch. R.I.P. Our MVP. (laughs) And so in comes Kenny Pickett at halftime of this game against the Jets. And spoiler alert, didn't go great. So why did this take so long to happen? Why did it happen when it happened on Sunday? Well, according to Mike Tomlin, who I genuinely believe is a very smart, very thoughtful, and very insightful head coach. Yes. He says that the Steelers needed a spark. We thought we needed a spark, man. We didn't do much um, in the first half. Uh, not enough offensively and, you know, thought he could provide a spark for us. And that's fine. They did need a spark in the Jets game. But my follow-up question, if I had one for Mike Tomlin, didn't you need a spark the prior three weeks of the season two on offense? (laughs) I mean, yes, the Steelers won the opener versus the Bengals, but as we talked about on this show, it required five turnovers, a blocked extra point, and an injured long snapper for the Bengals. Following week, they score 14 points on nine drives in a loss to the Patriots. Four days later, on Thursday night, Trubisky and company, they score 17 points on 10 drives in a loss to the Browns. After 10 days, Trubisky comes back against the Jets, and he wasn't great, to be fair. But it wasn't like he was that much different than the guy we saw over the first three weeks of the year. And so, look, Kenny Pickett, who is the first rounder they drafted as the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger ostensibly, Mm -hmm. when would you have gone to him then, Bill? When would you have broken up with Mitch Trubisky? 
I guess you want to do it the right way. And that is by telling someone at 2.30 in the afternoon that someone else is going into the game. And that appears to have been what happened (laughs) for Mitch Trubisky and Mike Tomlin. For me, I felt like the obvious time would have been immediately after the Browns game. Because if you do that, you have 10 days from that Thursday night in week three to the following Sunday in week four to prepare Kenny Pickett for this game. This is basically the best possible opportunity to have a young quarterback prepared on Pittsburgh's schedule, especially given that the game was at home where Steelers fans had been basically begging for Kenny Pickett to come in. Yeah. Instead, he came in with no practice reps with the first team. There was no game plan to take advantage of his strengths, and he didn't have the sort of mental and emotional preparation of being the starting quarterback because up to this point, Mike Tomlin had said over and over again he had no interest in making the change from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett. I think we've been trying to be fair to Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin has not had a losing record in the NFL. That's yep. insane, right? Mm-hmm. We, all the flowers get thrown in that direction for that reason. Great. But it feels like this is something that he panicked about. I mean, panic seems to me like a reasonable diagnosis. And now the question becomes, if you are Kenny Pickett now, if you're the guy who's quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. with this slate of games coming up, mm-hmm. how panicked would you be? Whew. It's not ideal. I mean, it's not not the way you really want to start your NFL career because this is not a good offensive line. Certainly a good set of receivers, but not a very good offensive line. And a offensive coordinator who, how would I put this nicely? It certainly feels like all the Steelers fans' attention that was going negatively towards Mitch Trubisky is now going to be focused on Matt Canada the Steelers offensive coordinator who has not done a great job of creating opportunities for any of his quarterbacks so far Mm. this season. And on top of that, Pablo, as you alluded to, the schedule is brutal. They face the Bills this upcoming week, the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, the Eagles all coming up before their week nine bye, and then the Saints immediately thereafter. Now, if Kenny Pickett can survive until December in Pittsburgh, things get easier. They get the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Raiders. But wait, but wait, hold on, though, because Mike Tomlin then, <laughs> Mike Tomlin basically dropped him into the tiger pit and said, enjoy this, and if you survive, you get the thing that we could have also just given you to start if you weren't going to come in with that 10-day layoff. You could have started with the Falcons. Instead, you get the Bills. Well, he probably threw a couple of Promonte Brothers sandwiches into the tiger cage, so that should hopefully <laughs> last him until December. He just has to hang out for three months and not die, which is probably something he'll be able to do. Yeah, enjoy all of these subs that we just like randomly threw French fries into. <laughs> yeah, enjoy that. But we move on, Bill, from a team that took way too long to break up with their quarterback to a team that is owned by a man who just seems to enjoy cheating on Dak Prescott at this point. And Dak... <laughs> is recovering still from that broken thumb. Mm -hmm. But look, we had previously heard Jerry Jones, the billionaire in question, not just rave about Cooper Rush, Mm -hmm. Dak's replacement, who we've gotten to know quite well over the last couple weeks, but we heard him beg for a quarterback controversy, which just feels like a masochistic kink. So you'd want that? You'd want that controversy? Of course I would. Okay. Of course that means we'd want, if he comes in here and played as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over these next games ahead. I'd walk New York to get there. <laughs> so does Jerry have the controversy that he has very unsubtly desired? Hmm. Sometimes I listen to Jerry Jones talk 
And I just think he's watching a different NFL than I am, which is fine. And that, <laughs> Pete Carroll does that too. And Pete Carroll's really good at his job. So that could just be a thing that Jerry Jones is also very good at. But in Jerry Jones's NFL, yes. what do you think Jerry Jones is seeing that you just absolutely do not? I think he's seeing a universe where he was right not to pay Dak. I, I feel like it all dates back to he mm. didn't really want to pay Dak Prescott that sort of money. And he ended up having to, even though Dak got hurt just because they were so desperate. And now he wants to live in that world where actually they could have just been fine handing the ball to Zeke and letting Cooper Rush do his Wait. thing. <laughs> so Jerry Jones has been radicalized by the sports media, essentially. <laughs> Maybe Jerry Jones has been radicalized by Cooper Rush and the Cooper Rush movement. I, mm. I, I, I will say this much. He's not wrong that Cooper Rush is playing well. But if you were going to build a formula for the perfect scenario where a backup quarterback would come in and look like he's maybe better than the starter, even though he's not actually better than the starter, <laughs> this would be it. They're hitting every piece of the Bill Barnwell formula for making your backup quarterback look good. Hold on, because Bill Barnwell, speaking in the third person, calls for like a special like musical accompaniment here of some kind. I believe our producers are now playing that under our voices right now. So, Bill Barnwell, give us your Bill Barnwell formula for the perfect backup quarterback, please. First off, Bill loves this. <laughs> Just going to say that. Formula piece number one, Pablo, is protect the football. Cooper Rush has not turned the ball over in his three weeks as the starter. The Cowboys have only had one Dalton Schultz fumble over that time frame. Mm. Piece number two, don't take sacks. Cooper Rush has been sacked twice in three games behind an injury hit Cowboys offensive line. So Cooper Rush deserves a lot of credit for that. Number three, get the ball out quick. Cooper Rush has been taking just 2.6 seconds on average before releasing passes, the eighth quickest rate in football. Number four, get help from the defense and special teams. We saw the Cowboys force a couple of takeaways last week against the Commanders, and Brett Maher, their kicker, has hit three field goals from 50-plus yards over Cooper Rush's three starts. And the final one, maybe the most important one, would be to face bad teams, or at the very least, <laughs> struggling teams. The Bengals are still figuring out their offensive line, and they're a terrible matchup for the Cowboys with what they can do with Micah Parsons. The Giants have a good record, I will be honest and say I don't think they're a very good football team. They have Daniel Jones at quarterback, and the commanders have Carson Wentz and that offensive line. So put all these things together into the Bill Barnwell formula for having a successful backup quarterback, and you get Cooper Rush 3-0. The entire time I've been visualizing you as Will Smith's character in Hitch, just trying <laughs> to coach up and inspire mediocre quarterbacks. That makes Cooper Rush Kevin James? <laughs> is Kevin James the other guy in Hitch? He is the other guy in Hitch. So that would be two NFL roles that Kevin James oh has played God. after Sean Pitt, and now he can be Cooper Rush as well. <laughs> yeah, and somewhere Rob Schneider also is in this movie, the one part Filipino person that I am too ashamed to claim. Oh. But all these lessons that you've now meticulously outlined, I am curious how much any of that's going to still apply, do you think, mm -hmm. when and if Dak Prescott comes back? Well, if there's any lesson... I think that can take away from the Cooper Rush era in Dallas. It's just get the ball to CeeDee Lamb. I, at the end mm. of the day, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. I think Cooper Rush would even tell you as much. But 
Cooper Rush, because he doesn't have the range or the vision maybe Dak Prescott has, he's been very focused on just getting the ball to Lamb and letting Lamb do magic with it. And that's been great for the Cowboys the past couple of weeks. Against the Rams, whether it's Prescott, whether it's Cooper Rush, that might be a problem because the guy on the other side of the ball for the Rams, Jalen Ramsey, can move all over the field and can take out the other team's best receiver one-on-one. So the Cowboys may have to find the other receivers in their offense, including the returning Michael Gallup, to find opportunities to move the ball against Los Angeles. But in this specific game, too, I mean, it feels criminal that I have not asked you yet about the defense of the Dallas Cowboys, Bill. I mean, Cooper Rush had 99-level Madden self-awareness when he said in his press conference after winning his fourth game in a row Mm -hmm. that, quote, they're the reason we're winning. So how does that add up to what the Rams are about to experience here? Excellent, perhaps false humility from Cooper Rush. I think that's a very, (laughs) like you said, a very aware move. This is definitely going to be a problem for the Rams. We saw on Monday night, they really struggled to protect Matthew Stafford against the 49ers. And given how Micah Parsons can move around the the defensive line and attack mismatches, I think there's going to be opportunities for him to just absolutely eat alive several of these Rams offensive linemen. And on top of that, Pablo, if we include the playoffs over his last 17 games, Matthew Stafford has thrown 22 interceptions. It's five more than anybody else in football over their last 17 games. Now, the Rams can win with Stafford throwing interceptions. We saw them win in the Super Bowl when he threw two picks. But their margin for error right now seems so much smaller than it was back in February. Yeah, and also raises the question of whether a guy doing AT&T commercials has a home field advantage in Dallas or in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. If, we've, if you've watched Cowboys games, Pablo, you know that there's usually more road fans than home fans at Cowboys Stadium anyway. So, well, it won't change very much. Mm. So after the break, how fans of a couple other marquee teams should be feeling about the fact that things might be going a lot better than they thought. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash giftfinder today. That's Macy's.com slash giftfinder. So, Bill, we get this AFC North matchup on Sunday between two teams that are looking promising, right? The Bengals and the Ravens. But the Ravens, I want to deal with them here first because every time I watch them play, I'm like, finally, we're going to do the thing where we talk about how good this team is and how great Lamar Jackson is. And then they end up choking away massive leads and they wind up two and two, right? So why does this keep happening? So you're telling me, Pablo, 
that sometime in the second half, Lamar Jackson is deciding to sh** the bed. <laughs> not only am I saying that, I am mad that I did not actually say <laughs> that before you said that. I mean, it's a fair point, first and foremost. But it's really strange because this is something that the Ravens have not had to deal with over the course of Lamar Jackson's career. Since he took over as a starter in 2018, there was a 20-game streak where the Ravens held a 17-plus point lead and won, 20-0. and 0. They've now had two 17-point leads in the last three weeks and lost both of those games. I don't think they've suddenly forgotten how to close out games. And I think there's not a very consistent through line because they played differently in the first half of those games. In the Dolphins game, they were dominant on offense for the first three quarters, basically. And then they slowed down enough in the fourth quarter for Tua Tagovailoa to go absolutely nuclear against secondary that was dealing with injuries and made a boatload of mental mistakes. This Bills game, though, was different. The offense didn't play all that well, which a credit to the Bills defense, of course. The Ravens did score two touchdowns in the first quarter, but one of them came on a drive that started on Buffalo's four-yard line after an interception. They didn't move the ball well pretty much for the remainder of the game until their final drive, which famously got to the one-yard line before the Bills stuffed them on a goal-to-go series. And Lamar mm -hmm. has been an MVP caliber player this year. He's not the problem. But the passing attack the Ravens have used hasn't exactly created a lot of opportunities for him. The weapons aren't overwhelming besides Mark Andrews, leaving it incumbent on Lamar to make magic happen or fit in perfect throws. And so where does Lamar rank on your list of concerns for the Ravens? Like, what's at the top of that list? Lamar is not very high on the list of problems for the Baltimore Ravens. I think the defense and their ability to create big plays during these comebacks has been the problem. The Ravens have a league-high 10 takeaways through four games. Great. And four of those takeaways have come in the fourth quarter. That's also great. But all four of those takeaways have come in the victories over the Jets and the Patriots. So no takeaways mm. during the fourth quarter of these massive screaming comebacks and the losses to the Dolphins and the Bills. And when the Ravens aren't creating takeaways, they're struggling to rush the passer. They fired Wink Martindale, their blitz-happy defensive coordinator for the last several years, hired Mike McDonald out of Michigan to replace him, the Ravens rank 29th in the NFL in sack rate and 24th in pressure rate. So they have no pass rush to get home against these teams who are roaring back into games against them in the second half. So what you're saying is that ever since they hired Michael McDonald, they have been taking it to the streets. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I regret saying that, but okay. I will use it as a segue to talk about the blitz as it relates to the Bengals, Bill, because what the Bengals did to the Chiefs, right? And this is now an actual football question here. What they did to the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, can they do that to the Ravens this weekend? Mm, I actually think we will see them do some of the things they did to the Chiefs in passing situations. And remember, let's set the scene from last year. In the second half of that game, during their own significant comeback, the Bengals were dropping as many as eight players into coverage. They were spying Patrick Mahomes. They were doubling Travis Kelsey. And they were just suffocating Mahomes' throwing lanes. And that's probably a good strategy against the Ravens, given that the one guy Lamar wants to throw to is Mark Andrews. The difference between these two teams, though, Pablo, the reason why it might be tough to pull off 
is that the Chiefs were basically terrified of running the football. They had opportunities to run into incredibly light boxes with four or five defenders. The dream of a Pete Carroll-led team, for example. And Mm. they didn't run it. They threw it. The Ravens will not do that. They'll run the ball on third down, even on third and long into those situations, even if it means going for it on fourth down as well. So I turn now for my questions about one former MVP to my questions now about another, because the season of rooting against Aaron Rodgers has not been going as well as it may have seemed, Bill, because we get to watch Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, the Packers quarterback, yell on the field, freak out at his teammates, struggle here and there, throw a pick six last week. And yet still, there isn't really a payoff if you're rooting for schadenfreude, right? I mean, the Packers wind up three and one right now. And so what is happening here? Pablo, you've seen the he can't keep getting away with this Breaking Bad meme. That's mm-hmm. that's what Aaron Rodgers is doing to me and what the Packers have done to me over the past couple of years. I always try to use this nerdy stat called Pythagorean expectation to explain the NFL. And for 31 of 32 teams, it tends to be pretty helpful. You're just using the team's <laughs> point differential to figure out how many games they should win in a typical season. Nobody in the recent history of the NFL, going back to 1989, has outperformed their Pythagorean expectation by a greater margin than the 2019 to 2021 Packers. Man, I love that. I actually do love the idea that Aaron Rodgers has somehow actually defied math and science. I don't incorporate astrology into my formula, Pablo. And maybe that (laughs) is what Aaron Rodgers would advise me to do. But they always find a way. Aaron Rodgers went from being a a maybe struggling quarterback to the point where the Packers did draft a guy to replace him and Jordan Love to being back-to-back MVP. The numbers didn't see that happening. They usually post a historically low amount of giveaways on offense. 13 last year, 11 the year before, 13 the year before that. One year out of nowhere, they had the best red zone offense in NFL history. They were bad in the red (laughs) zone the year after. They're bad in the red zone on offense this year. They're 13th in red zone touchdown rate. They do all the stuff that breaks all these ideas of what I'm expecting football teams to do year after year. This year, they're not doing any of that stuff. Rodgers is 22nd in the NFL in QBR. They've turned the ball over seven times already. Usually by the time they've gotten to seven giveaways, it's the middle of November. They've done this in four weeks. They've only outscored their opponents by a total of six points. And so the question remains then, Bill, why is he getting away with this? What do you think is actually happening underneath the surface then? It's a very unsatisfying answer, Pablo. They just played bad football teams the past few weeks. Mm. They lost to the Vikings in week one. Were blown out. Vikings are a decent football team by all accounts. In week two, they blew out the Bears. The Bears are not very good. In week three, they needed to stop a two-pointer after a mysterious delay of game penalty to beat a Bucks team that's missing virtually all of their offensive starters outside of Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette. They had to accelerate Cole Beasley's eventual pilgrimage to Florida to be with all his friends to get the Buccaneers going. Last week, the Patriots were down to Bailey Zappi by the end of the first quarter, Uh. and the Packers needed overtime to beat the Patriots. But here's the problem, Pablo. They get the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders over the next three weeks before that dramatic game against the Buffalo Bills. The Packers are going to be six and one. It's inevitable. (laughs) And I just need to accept that they're going to make me look stupid again. 
But the team the Packers are about to play, as you just referenced, in London on Sunday morning is the New York Giants. And this also, Bill, is a team that they don't look quite so stupid anymore. I mean, they were a joke for the last half decade. We've laughed about them extensively on this show, but they imported this new head coach from Buffalo, their former offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, who lots of smart people think is smart. And these Giants are now suddenly three and one. So why is that? Well, so far, it's been Saquon Barkley, who looks like the guy we all saw as a superstar after his rookie season. Saquon Barkley, according to the NFL's next-gen stats, has the second most rush yards over expectation in football. So plug in an average back to the blocking he's got, figure out what that back would have gotten, and what Saquon Barkley's done versus that average back, Saquon Barkley is the second-best running back in football. Mm. He's not been consistent. It's been more big plays. But he has four runs of 20 yards or more after racking up just three between the 2019 and 2020 seasons combined, which is fantastic. Love to see Saquon back. And Daniel Jones, we'll get to the passing element of things, but as a runner, Daniel Jones is the fourth most valuable runner in the league by expected points added. He's generated five more first downs than an average player would have in the same situations. Yeah, but the whole uh, good news first, bad news second thing brings us to the passing stuff, which you very conveniently just alighted. The passing game, I'm a little worried that we're sending that to London. It's not going to be ideal for the British fans. Daniel Jones is averaging five yards per drop back, ahead of only Carson Wentz and the aforementioned MVP himself, Mitch Trubisky. He's only fumbled once in four games, and that's a pleasant surprise, although we're not sure he's going to be able to play against the Packers. Tyron Taylor, the Giants' backup, suffered a concussion after Jones went out last week, and Jones had to come back on the field and basically stand on the sidelines while Saquon Barkley served the jobs of running back and quarterback for the Giants and the Wildcat. The next guy up would be quarterback Davis Webb, who's on the practice squad right now. His only NFL snaps have been two kneel downs for the Bills in 2021. So if that counts as learning from Josh Allen, Davis Webb is basically a Josh Allen acolyte. Yeah, the good news is that Davis Webb sounds like a British person's name. The bad (laughs) news is that he is actually Davis Webb. And so I have questions here about the defense, Bill, because whenever I watch the Giants defense, right, like they're blitzing all of the time. What are you seeing when you see them? They are going after the opposing quarterback. And that is one thing we know their defensive coordinator to do. They hired Wink Martindale, the guy I mentioned in the Ravens section of this show, who blitzes at an incredibly high rate. And what do you know, Pablo? He's blitzing at the second highest rate in football so far this season. That has created a bunch of big plays, which is great. And what might be more impressive is that this Giants defense has done well when they haven't blitzed. Maybe it's teams worried about the blitz and they haven't adjusted yet. But the Giants have the league's sixth best QBR when they don't blitz. And They've been the fifth best team in the league at stopping teams on third downs. That's probably how they would have to beat the Packers. And so the question, Bill, on the Giants then is simple. It's, are they actually good? (laughs) Hadn't actually occurred to me to think about that question. I think they are actually good as long as Saquon Barkley looks like a superstar, which, hey, through four weeks, so far, so good. Hmm. That sounds like a not actually good, but hold on. (laughs) Coming up, we get to two teams that were supposed to be good and better have a good excuse as to why they are the opposite.
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Bill, we get to Thursday Night Football tonight. We get the Colts. We get the Broncos. These are teams that people really expected stuff out of. And what's the word for how they've looked so far as week five is upon us? Starving, maybe? Yeah, right. I mean, which raises the question of, like, what has Russell Wilson been cooking up for the Broncos, Bill? What's he been serving people? Hot garbage, Pablo, I think is the only, <laughs> the only thing I could really, really comes to mind for me so far this season. To be fair, they have actually been good in one part of the field. The problem is that is not the part of the field where teams need to be good. Through the first 80 yards of what's felt like an inexorable march to the end zone at times for the Broncos, they rank 16th in the NFL in expected points added per play. That's not great. You don't trade a bunch of first-round picks for Russell Wilson to be league average in those situations, but it's competent. Inside the red zone, though, they are last in the NFL in EPA per play by a significant margin. And part of that is fumbling twice on the one-yard line against the Seahawks in the opener mm. in the most bizarre act of timing when it comes to the opposing team I could think of, but they've only scored three red zone touchdowns in 10 tries. That's the worst mark in football. And is that something that we should expect just the rest of the way here, that degree of humiliation in the red zone? I hope not, frankly, just on an emotional level. The good news is this stuff does usually regress towards the mean. If you're average through the first 80 yards of your trip to the end zone, you're eventually going to be average in the final 20 yards in the red zone as well. But things are getting worse for the Broncos, not better. They just lost Javante Williams, their best running back, to a torn ACL. He's done for the season. Melvin Gordon, who now inherits the primary job, has fumbled four times in four games, including one the Raiders recovered and took to the house for a touchdown last week. Now, I love Broncos third-string running back Mike Boone in a football hipster kind of way. Mm. I'm going to be upset if he excels, and I'm going to say, I saw Mike Boone first in a small club. Now you're seeing him <laughs> at a stadium. But I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be shielding my eyes and praying every time the Broncos get near the goal line. So if Mike Boone, Broncos third string running back, Bill, is your neutral milk hotel, are the Colts with 
a couple big names we do recognize, like Maroon 5 in that case? Pablo, to quote Adam Levine, when it comes to Matt Ryan, <laughs> I think we need to see the booty. <laughs> it feels like we're seeing the booty right now. Yeah, sadly, we are maybe seeing the booty already. The Colts have been terrible on offense. They're last in the NFL in points per game. They're 31st in expected points added per play on offense. Matt Ryan has fumbled nine times in four games. They're struggling with basic pass protection adjustments. There's just too many free rushers blowing up plays before they can even start. If you like the Broncos 49ers game from a couple of weeks ago, one, you have problems. And two, this Colts Broncos game is probably also going to be for you. At the very end here, it does feel like anything that resembles that 11 to 10 Broncos win, like we're an open-minded podcast normally, mm-hmm. Bill, you and me doing this show, but that does just feel perverse. Like you should consider yourself a freak. Save that for the Instagram DMs. Don't put that on Amazon Prime. Yeah, watch this one on incognito mode. Do not let anybody else know that you're interested here. This would be, if this football game was a singer, it would be a singer on The Voice where none of the judges would turn around and want to perform with them. (laughs) Bill Barnwell, all I can say at the very end here is, if you're going to be watching this game, just make sure to be saying, holy f***, holy f***, exclusively to yourself. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.